Hey everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. This is episode number 439 of our YouTube channel and podcast, and I cannot be more excited to continue sharing with you guys personal finance topics that I think could be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. Today, we are going to be talking about the financial priorities of adults in the United States. And I think it's really interesting um, from time to time to know how financial priorities uh, differ among groups and ultimately, um, you know, as times change, as, you know, things that we can't control uh, change, how people change their priorities uh, as well. So we're going to talk about some of these priorities and how uh, we can make these things maybe come to fruition or why some of them should not be priorities for adults in the United States today. So uh, stick around for a discussion of all that and more in today's episode. Before we get started though, if you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan. And that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. Then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions. And you and I can begin working together, pushing towards your long-term financial goals and ultimately pushing you on towards long-term financial freedom, which is what I hope for every single individual who's watching or listening to this show on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, something that concerns uh, people financially at just about all times uh, is the idea of saving for retirement or saving for the future. Right? But it appears that saving for retirement is actually taking a backseat to other financial considerations for Americans right now. And there are many reasons why this is logical and why this is the case. Uh, but the number of individuals, the percentage of individuals who are actually making this their top priority uh, is a bit alarming to me. So uh, just 17% of Americans have made saving for their post-working years their top financial priority for 2022. And this is according to First National Bank of Omaha's latest financial wellness survey. This is uh, despite 59% of respondents worrying that they won't be able to retire by age 65. So you have these juxtaposing ideas, right? On one hand, you have not so many people saying that their top priority is saving for retirement, but you have over half worrying that they're not going to be able to retire by the, you know, typical retirement age. So many put, people, you know, put on the age of 65, right? Uh, now, additionally, 46% of those surveyed uh, said that they have less than $15,000 saved for retirement. Let's just pause for just a moment. 46% said that they have less than $15,000 saved for retirement. So that's half, right? Half of Americans, indicative by this particular survey of 1,000 U.S. adults, and it was weighted to reflect the population, um, have less than $15,000 saved for retirement. I mean, that's alarming. That's that's horrendous. That's bad. That's that's bad, 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 right? Because let's just say, right, that you are 25 years old, okay? I'm 26. Let's say you're 25. Good, good uh, round numbers, okay? 25 years old, and let's say that you are the person uh, that has $15,000 saved, okay? If you have $15,000 saved for retirement and you didn't invest anymore, Okay, and you just let that money grow uh, over the next, what? We'll go until age 65, so we'll say next 40 years, okay? 
and you invested $15,000, at the end of that 40 years for you, for the 25 year old, okay, that'd be $678,888.83. So let me make that clear to you. That's not gonna be a whole lot of, it's, first of all, that's a fair amount of money, right? But that's not gonna be a whole lot to ultimately retire on for most people, okay? Um, better than nothing, but it's not a whole lot to retire on for most people. And that is if you are a 25 year old and you have $15,000 invested, right? That's not what we're saying here, 50% of these people, right? Which I'm assuming, you know, range from, you know, in their almost retirement years already to those who are, you know, 20, 25 years old, right? But let's say you're 35 and you want to get to age 65 and you just have the $15,000 invested. That's only going to give you $261,000 um, by the age of 65 if you just, you know, didn't invest anything else, right? Now, of course, not investing anything else is not a good idea and it's probably not what most people are doing. But to have less than $15,000 saved for retirement, I would like to know how many of that 46% had nothing. Because, I mean, that's just, that's pretty dire, right? We need to be saving for retirement. And no, no wonder they're worried about not being able to retire by 65. Now, my question really is, is have they given up, right? Because they're not putting, saving for retirement as their top priority. Have they given up or are there things going on currently uh, that are just taking up too much of their uh, mind and thought process, right? Are they putting what's going on today uh, mentally above what's going on over the long term, right? So what are people more focused on when it comes to their finances this year? Well, about 40% uh, said that increasing non-retirement savings is their main goal, and an additional 30% identified paying off debt. So I'll start with the back end of this first, right? That 30% identifying paying off debt as their top financial priority, look, I applause to you, right? Uh, that's something I think um, is a very worthwhile endeavor. Getting your debts paid off uh, is absolutely huge. Now, you need to do it with a lot of um, you know veracity. We need to do it very quickly, we need to do it um, with all of our excess cash flow, get rid of all of the other uh, things that are getting in your way of being able to pay off your debt. Don't do it slowly, do it quickly. That way you can move into the place where you can prioritize saving for uh, retirement. So if paying off debt's your top priority, great, right? But let's do it, right? Let's, I'm motivating you here. I'm giving you some encouragement here. Get to it because it can be done. I myself, look, it, Something that I think maybe gets lost in some of these episodes where I'm saying, get out of debt, do this, do that. You're like, well, were you ever in debt? Do you know what that's like? Do you... I took it very seriously, but I definitely do know what it's like, right? I, I took a very harsh stance, um, but I do know what it's like. When um, you know I was in my master's degree program, uh, I paid off a car, right? So I, I've had a car debt to pay off, paid off a car, won't ever have that again, we'll never have a car note again, uh, and paid off student loans, right? Uh, and so both of those things I've had to deal with. So if you have those things, it can be done. And I had about the average amount of debt for both that most people would have, but it can be done if you take it serious enough, right? So if that is your financial priority, great, but let's not keep it our financial priority for too long. Let's get to the other side of it to where we can do other things. Now, that biggest focus that people have saying that they want to increase their non-retirement savings, right? So um, my assumption here is that by saying non-retirement savings, they mean like money they have in a savings account, right? Not 
invested money otherwise, not like taxable brokerage accounts or anything like that. And I think that this is kind of twofold for Americans right now, right? I think first and foremost, it's not a bad thing to want to have more money saved up. I, we need to have money for emergencies for all the reasons that I've outlined over and over again on the show. Um, we need to have money for if you know, you're going to make a big purchase and uh, you, know, you need to do it in cash, like a vehicle, um, you know, like you know, any number of things that you could just save up for, you know, vacation, whatever, right? Having cash on hand is something you need. Now, why that's the top financial priority of most people is, um, is interesting. And the reason I think that's interesting is because, you know, it specifies non-retirement savings. What this tells me is that people finally realize that they don't have enough in savings. And I think COVID played a big part in this, right? I think the fact that the pandemic actually hit and people found out they didn't have that much in savings and they actually needed it. Um, I think they're like, Hey, we need to bump up, uh, these non-retirement savings. We need to have money set aside if something were to go awry. I think that's probably a, a primary driving factor. I think another, uh, driving factor though, is the fact that inflation is what it is. Okay. People know that prices are rising. And they are afraid of the fact that, hey, you know, I don't have enough money to do the things I used to do, so I need to increase my savings. Now, this is kind of uh, counterintuitive, though, right? Because people think, oh, I need more cash on hand because uh, of inflation. Now, that can be true if you have, like, your emergency fund, right? Uh, because your emergency fund should not be invested, and it should be a certain number of months of household expenses. Um, and you may bump it up based on uh, inflation. But to just save money uh, based on you know inflation being higher is counterintuitive because you're going to put it in the bank and get paid little to nothing, and then the value of your money is declining at a very rapid rate currently, right? Um, so if you are increasing your non-retirement savings due to, I need an emergency fund, I need that buffer, I need that money setting aside for uh, rainy days, then you know more power to you. But uh, if you are doing so just in the name of I'm afraid or uh, inflation, you may not have the right uh, motivations here. Now, while it is a key element of your financial well-being, prioritizing retirement savings depends on where you're at in the cycle of thinking about retirement, what you have in savings, and your personal situation regarding employment, amount of debt, etc. Right. Uh, so ultimately. Um, Everybody knows that saving up for retirement is important, right? Everybody knows that um, it is something that is going to be needed as they move forward. The problem, it seems, is that people, and this is not surprising, it's just, just is, just is what is reported, right? What's reported is that people put today uh, far more in high regard than they put tomorrow, right? Things that are currently... Uh, messing with their finances, things that are currently causing them stress or causing them harm, those are going to be the top priorities at any given time. Okay, I would say that you'll be hard pressed to ever find saving for retirement as the top, top priority unless the consumer's in just such good shape that they're not worried at all about their debt um, or their savings, which is a very rare place to be. So I would guess that saving for retirement will probably always fall uh, below those types of items because those are today. Those are, hey, I need to increase my savings now 
in case of XYZ. I need to increase my savings now so I can purchase this item that's coming up, right? Um, or I need to pay off this debt now because I'm having to pay on this debt now, right? Um, but saving for retirement is one of those things that people kick down the road. They kick the can down the road and they do it for many reasons. They may do so because they don't understand the investing world very well or what they're investing in. Um, they may do it just because, you know, uh, they're, you know, more focused on buying things today and being a consumer today. Uh, they still feel like they're young and they'll have time later, even though that's a, um, that's a fallacy in and of itself, right? Um, but retirement security is a pressing issue for many workers, uh, as research persistently shows that many people have saved little for their golden years. So with fewer traditional pensions offered by companies, retirees generally must rely on, on Social Security and their own savings to fund a retirement that could stretch two or three decades, right? The problem that we have um, is that we live longer than our grandparents and great-grandparents, right? Uh, and we have less in the way of a safety net, right? Uh, many of them had pensions, pensions, corporate pensions, and the way that they once were just not the same, right? Um, many of them had, you know, enough in Social Security that would, um, you know, supply them at least a moderate living in retirement. It's not going to be the same uh, moving forward, very likely, right? Um, and then we have to be sure to, you know, fund our own, right? And it takes uh, it takes time and it takes being very intentional and being very thoughtful about your retirement savings. You must be uh, in order to get to a point where you can self-fund your retirement, which everybody should do. Don't rely on Social Security. Don't rely on a pension, even if you're being offered one right now by a workplace, right? Let it be icing on the cake, not the cake itself, okay? Um, so yes, retirement security is a big issue, and um, I worry that a bunch of people are just going to be working until they die. I mean, truly, I, I worry a lot about that, right? When we get past the boomers being the retirees and get to the, you know, Gen Xers, which I'm sure some are retiring already, but um, when they are the retiring population, um, I worry for them. But then obviously the millennials are going to be in a totally different situation than uh, the Gen Xers. And if you don't know how old millennials are, the oldest millennials are like in their early 40s now, right? Uh, so this will come this will come upon us very very quickly, and we're going to see what this looks like and whether or not this lack of prioritization of uh, saving for retirement becomes a problem. And my guess is it very well could. Now, roughly a quarter of U.S. adults have no retirement. So there's that number of who has no retirement savings. A quarter of U.S. adults no retirement savings at all. That's just I, I can't. I, that's wild to me. Okay. Now, among retirement savers, the median 401k account um, for those age 55 to 64, so individuals who generally are nearing retiree status, is $84,714, according to Vanguard's latest How Americans Save uh, report. Okay, so generally it's recommended that you have 10 times your annual salary saved at minimum if you want to retire at age 67, according to Fidelity. Right, but here we're talking eighty-four thousand dollars. Right, that means that your annual salary would have to be eight thousand four hundred dollars for you to meet that rule. And I'm guessing that that's not most people's annual salary. So living on um, that size retirement account is going to be very, very difficult. Right, 
And the reason that this is a, a good uh, benchmark for us is like, of course, people are going to have IRAs or people have taxable brokerage accounts or whatever else, right? Um, or 401ks that other works or their spouse's 401k or whatever. Uh, but this is a good indicator of what one person will have to live on in retirement because most people, like we see here, like 25% of people have nothing saved, right? 46% have less than $15,000 saved uh, for retirement. So what this is telling us is that very few people put this in high regard in their minds anyway. So a lot of people are just putting money in their 401k if they're doing anything at all, right? If you're doing your Roth IRAs and your taxable brokerage accounts or HSAs or investing for your kids, you're in the, the upper echelon of uh, investors. You, you're not uh, among this group where um, the vast majority is just putting money into 401ks, right? Um, so for that median balance to be that, that's still um, extremely low and it's gonna be very, very hard to overcome that type of deficit uh, for people in retirement. Now, while balancing retirement savings with other financial priorities can be tricky, uh, it's worth trying to save while you can, right? And this is part of the reason why in the financial action plan, I tell you in the third part to take the match, right? To take the match in your 401k, your 403b, whatever employer-sponsored retirement account you have that may offer a match. Because at that point, Right? I don't want you to be throwing a lot into your investments because you've got debt that's holding you back that may be keeping you in a paycheck to paycheck status. You don't have a fully funded emergency fund, so your life is very susceptible to something bad happening and it being very costly for you. But at the same time, one, it's free money. And two, getting into that habit of putting money away for yourself and doing so early and often over your working life um, it's just going to be so, so valuable. And so saving while you can, how you can, and taking advantage of free money within something like a 401k can be very, very valuable for people. Now, uh, a way to manage the demands is to commit to depositing an amount, no matter how small, uh, into a 401k or an IRA. And I think the match is a, is a good place to start, right? So um, let's just take this example. Let's say that you make... Um, let's say you make $70,000 a year, okay? So we have somebody who makes $70,000 a year and their workplace offers a 4% match on their 401k, right? So you would take that 70,000 a year and you would say uh, times 4% and let's say you get paid twice a month, okay? So that means twice a month, your employer uh, will put in $116.67 into your uh, retirement account, right? So that means if you just put in $116.67, so will they. So then you'll have, what, $233 per month uh, going into your 401k when you only put in $116.67, right? Uh, so let's say that that were the case and that that never changed, which is not a good set of assumptions to make, by the way, right? Let's say that never changed. And let's say you made 10% a year over your working life for the next, um, you know, 35 years. Okay. And you're putting, let's see the, uh, that's going to be what, what did I say? 233, 33. You started with zero. That's going to get you to $885,000 over a 35 year investing life, right? That's not a bad place to start, right? So just starting with that amount, can actually get you to somewhere that's very, very nice, right? And if you make a lower rate of return, let's say you made, you know, 
8%. That's still going to get you to over half a million dollars um, by your retirement age if you have 35 years, right? Um, so that's a, fine, that's a fine place to start and a fine place to start committing money uh, into your accounts, right? This is um, you know, not a very, very hard game to play. It's actually quite easy uh, if you can do it for a long period of time and you can start putting away small amounts today. Because I've told you before, uh, if you want to invest uh, and to become a millionaire and you have 40 years to do so, and you can make 10% on your money a year, it only takes just over $158 a month in order to get to that millionaire status, which is not that much over a 40 year period uh, of investing. But if you just start small, you can get to that place where you can uh, be financially self-sufficient. But obviously, staying the same over a 35, 40 year period is not likely. You're likely gonna make more money, um, you're gonna get raises, you're gonna start putting away more money once you get your financial foundation set beneath you. But ultimately, starting small is important. Now, if you can't, uh, do that, right? Start small with irregular deposits or whatever random amount you can spare. So every little bit helps. Now, um, this is a recommendation of um, this lady who's a, a certified financial planner. And I don't necessarily disagree, right? So um, it is important to get started. It is important. It is important to start small, right? But it's important to have a plan and not just be doing things randomly either, right? So if you can't invest for yourself right now, right, then you need to get the things out of your way in your financial life that will allow you to do so. So I don't agree so much with the randomness and, you know, irregularities, right? We want to be consistently investing. Um, that way we can, you know, put as much money away as possible. What I do agree with here is that if you get extra amounts of money over time, if you are like starting small and just doing a little bit um, if you get extra amounts of money over time that you can throw into your investments and uh, get that extra little bump money working for you over time, then I think that is extremely useful. Now, for 401k plans in the 2022 year, uh, contribution limits are $20,500. And then if you're 50 and older, uh, you can do $6,500 in catch-up contributions. So that's $27,000. For IRAs, the Roth or traditional uh, limit for eligible people is $6,000 per person per year with another $1,000 catch-up if you are age 50 or older. Right Now, the survey from First National Bank of Omaha also showed that 30% of respondents think that their overall financial well-being is better than it was pre-pandemic. Very interesting. And 44% said it was about the same. Uh, roughly one-third, 34%, said that they believe that their credit history gets in the way of their financial wellness. Oh, and that that irks me, right? That irks me horribly, right? People think that their credit history gets in the way of their financial wellness. Well, let me ask you a question, right? Does your credit history get in the way of you making income? In the vast majority of cases, 99 plus percent of the time, the answer is no. Right? Your job doesn't care about your credit history in the vast majority of cases, unless you like work for a bank or an investment company or whatever. They don't care all right, about your uh, financial history. Okay, So it's not keeping you from making money. Now, is your credit history keeping you um, from you know, going out and paying your typical bills? Absolutely not, right? Absolutely not. What, what, can, what can a bad credit history do? All it really does uh, is it increases your costs of borrowing or keeps you from borrowing money later on, which for some people with bad credit history may be a, you know, a gift in disguise, right? It may be uh, a miracle in disguise that you don't get to 
uh, go and you know spend money on whatever you want to spend it on, right? Um, to say that bad credit history gets in the way of financial wellness is to say that I can't go out and borrow money to buy the things that I want to buy. Like, yeah, bad credit history might get in the way of you buying a house, right? But it's not going to get in the way of you investing. Like, there's nothing that bad credit history is going to keep you from having money, right? It, it's just not, right? There's nothing that it's going to get in the way of that is um, that is integral to you having money in your pocket. It's just, just not, right? It, it might get in the way of you consuming things or financing more things, but ultimately, I don't want you financing more things. And ultimately, if you can get to the point where you have no debt or you, or you can rebuild your credit history somehow or whatever, right? Um, and you can get to where you can buy a house later on, then good for you, right? But not, even home ownership, right? Even though it's a very big part of a lot of people's uh, net worths, it is not so huge that it's going to keep you from being any type of financial financially successful. That is not, 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 not the thing that's holding these 34% of people back. It is not, right? The thing that's holding them back is the fact that they've got a bunch of debt payments now, right? The thing that's holding them back um, is the fact that they're viewing financial wellness through the lens of what they can consume uh, and not through what they can save and not through what they can uh, get rid of in their financial life and sacrifice as they move forward. I mean, that just speaks to the distorted view that we have uh, of money in our country because your credit score or credit history or whatever says nothing about the amount of money that you have in your bank account. Says nothing. You could have a perfect credit score. And there are people that do have perfect credit scores and have nothing invested for their future. Have perfect perfect credit scores and have no money in the bank, right? Because it is not indicative of the amount of money that you have. It's only indicative of uh, your past ability uh, to repay, uh, the fact that you have you know debt open right now, you have accounts open currently, you have a certain number of accounts, you're um, you know paying off the accounts on time, you're making your payment, all these types of things are what's impacting your credit score, not your net worth, not your uh, savings account balance, right? Not uh, your investment accounts, your 401k, none of that um, that is ultimately going to impact your financial well-being um, is actually a part of your credit history. So no, your credit history is not keeping you from having a positive financial well-being. It's all the things that you're doing with your money is keeping you from uh, that place. So we have to change this, this viewpoint. We have to start being longer-term thinkers, and we have to think past today, right? Because everything that this survey told me was basically telling me that Americans just think about today, and Americans are just thinking about what we can can consume, and they're just thinking about what we can do to cover ourselves now, right? And what's most pressing now. We're not so worried about the future, uh, and even when we do think about the future, we still think that there's time to catch up or we you know, put it in the back seat relative to uh, the things that are pressing and that are in front of us today. I think we need a plan. I think we need um, people to actually ascribe to good money management techniques and to not um, you know, be in this place where they're just doing things all willy-nilly, trying to do everything all at once, and they're getting nowhere. Look, retirement savings should be uh, a big priority for Americans, right? It should be a big priority in your financial life, absolutely, right? But you can't just put that at the top of your priority list without cleaning up the things that you need to clean up. So I'm not mad that people wanna save money and people wanna pay off debt before they wanna save for retirement because I literally tell you to do both of those things before I tell you to invest 
uh, at least 15% of your income for retirement. I tell you to have an emergency savings account. I tell you to pay off your debt, right? Uh, but those are not things that should just hang around. They're not things that should just constantly burden us, right? We should get those things taken care of and then make saving for retirement a priority. So if saving for retirement somehow jumped to the number one priority over the next few years, then I think people did the right things. But do I suspect that that would be the case? Probably not. Uh, and that's the problem in and of itself. So we need a change in mindset. We need to be long-term thinkers and we need to be saving for retirement because nobody is going to do it for you. You must do it for yourself. Pensions, they're gone. Uh, Social Security, who knows how long it's it's going to be around and who knows uh, how it may change over time, right? You can control you. You can control your own retirement savings. Take some of the tips that I talked about today, some of the little things that you can do. Start small and start putting money away. Uh, follow the financial action plan and it will get you to long-term financial pre and it will get you to long-term financial freedom, no question about it. So thanks for watching this video. If you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. Then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions and you and I can begin working together, pushing towards your long-term financial goals and ultimately pushing you on towards long-term financial freedom, which is what I hope for every single individual who's watching or listening to the show on a day-to-day -day basis. So tune in tomorrow as I continue talking about personal finance topics that I think could be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. So thanks for tuning into this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. God bless.